When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. D-O-I in apostrophe I-T-W-I-T H-T-A-N-N-Y And J-E-N-N-Y Doing it with Danny Jenny Doing it with Danny Jenny Doing it with Danny Jenny It's a revolution In podcast Welcome to the best, we've just experienced the best one minute of the show. It's always uh, that theme song by the great Eli Braden. What do you think, Jenny? I mean, it brings it, me, like each time I hear it is like the first time I heard it. That's how I feel. It's really feel, beautiful. Yeah, like you always see new things in it. Yeah, it's like watching an airplane. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like a, 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 a Van Gogh. Like looking at that, but yeah, I mean, that's like the same thing, though. The it is it airplane is. was the airplane was sort of the uh Van Gogh of um 70s comedies. I think so. I'm impressed, and I think that it was also good. This uh Eli Braden song, it didn't glitch as much for me this time, so that was fun. Yeah, it glitched a lot. I mean, I know, guy, <laughs> we, we hear it live. I'm in, in the podcast, you you hear like the guy has done so, guy doesn't get enough shout outs for being an amazing producer. He really did, but why is that? He's just annoying. I think yeah. what it is is he doesn't, he's not, he's not somebody you root for, is what I find. He's like no. one of those guys, you know, it's it's one of, you know, it's not like, you know, at the end of Rudy, you yeah. wanted Rudy to go in. Mm-hmm. Like, I do feel like if Guy were Rudy, that stadium would boo yes. when he finally went in. Guy, and hope and, for like a ACL tear or something yeah. like that. Guy, any thoughts on this? How do you feel about it? I mean, you know, you feel how you feel, Danny. It's okay. I could. You, unfollow- it. you unfollowed me today. Um, I did. You're offensive. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I need to get to our guest. Our guest is somebody I was. I knew when he was a little boy, and a lot of my stories like that start. start a story that, that starts that way can sound really creepy. It usually uh, ends with a police visit. <laughs> yeah, some police You're report, right. but. One of my very first job, in fact, the second sitcom job I ever had was on a little program called Roseanne. You don't say. Yeah, the year was probably, I, I want to say 95, 96. It was probably 95. I know it was it just turned like, um, yeah, it was 95. I turned just turned 30. Uh, and, I was uh, in high school. You were in high school? Yeah. Well, our guest can beat you because he was... I want to say, I don't know, seven, eight at that, maybe younger. First, let's just talk about it. You knew him. He was DJ Connor on both Roseanne and then Roseanne again, and then the (laughs) Connors. Uh, Please welcome my friend, Michael Fishman. Yes. There he is. I'm so excited. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I, I laughed because Danny and I go way back. And then I was joking that I, I look at your Instagram all the time and I can't wait this time of year 
to see all the stockings and things that have been posted on your on your page. <laughs> oh Thanks. yeah, all, all the dirty slogans that people arrange at Targets and WalMarts of stockings. It's it's the gift that I like to bring to the holiday season, and it's it's, it's for everyone. You know, it doesn't discriminate. No. It doesn't. And I, again, I'm, I'm Jewish. And as I only have attempted to understand the New Testament, but it does seem <laughs> like suck my Christmas balls was all part of the message. Brought when you forth see like kits or something spelled out and stockings, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, any, anybody would, it would bring you closer to your family. And I think that's what the holidays are about. It is. Michael, how old were you when I first met you? So it was like, I, I think I was season five. I think I was probably about 11. 11. Yeah, but I was pretty small. So I was a, I was a small 11. Yeah, How old are you now, Michael Fishman? 39. That's 39. When that's, do you turn 40? Uh, next year. I just turned 39. You just turned 39. Yeah. Okay. I'm an October that, baby. That's revolting to me that you're 39. <laughs> well, actually, so you're three years younger than me. So in my head, I guess, because I think of watching old, like I've been, especially I've been re-watching Roseanne. So like in my head, it's weird that you're just three years younger than me. Yeah, I'm... I mean, we're, we're pretty close in age. I, 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 for Danny, it's got to be weird because, you know, I was the kid running around. You were. And, and listening into the writer's room and, and. No, I remember. I remember. I remember like, you know, just always like, well, for, you know, it's always very, first of all, congratulations on growing up to be a fully realized um, good human being. Yes. Well, I'm careful. I got time still. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. But you've made it this far because uh, it's like you know, it's a it's an unnatural place for a child to grow up. I now know this is a parent myself, and I think about it. And I've been on the set, and fortunately, like even on, I, I I fortunately worked with kids who who for the most part had good parents and and you know grounded them. But it's still you're showing up for work with adults. There's it's, it's not a normal way to grow up. No, it's not for the faint of heart. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like when, do you recall, cause it was before I got to the show even, do you, you, you were, so if you were about 11 then you were probably like, uh, yeah. So you were probably like six or five when you got that role, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you have any recollection of that whole process? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of my, earliest memories are related to the show and a lot of them are you know I remember my very first audition because I hadn't auditioned almost for anything the audition for Roseanne came up as a series and my parents didn't want me to go my parents were willing for us to go out and try out for commercials but nothing permanent because they both worked full-time and had normal jobs and had no uh -huh. interest in us being in this business right so, so ironically it was 1988 and the writer strike was happening uh -huh, I remember that's uh, when we first moved no out here and the agent said, they want somebody with experience. He'll never get it. Would you just take him to the audition so he can have the, the experience of doing it? And I walked into um, CBS Radford into uh -huh. building three. We went upstairs and a young man named Jeff Thomas is one of the earliest things I remember. He was a receptionist who actually worked for Carsey Warner for like 30 years. Wow. And we met. And I went and did the first audition and my parents were horrified because from the moment I came out, I started calling it my job. Oh my God. And my parents were like, you know, this wasn't what they wanted. So they were mortified, but it was seven auditions spanning six months because it was a national casting call. Cause what we didn't know at the time was they had already shot the pilot. That's right. So I was coming on straight for 13. Oh, and 
they had no imagine, uh, imagination of what was going to happen. But the last like four and the last couple of months was just three of us. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and so, are you from here, Michael, or did you yeah. fly in for this? Yeah, no, I grew up in uh, Long Beach and I was born in Long Beach and grew up in that area. And, you know, the second audition, I met Roseanne. And from that point on, she pushed for me. The network wanted one person. The, the company wanted somebody else and she wanted me. And I'm kind of the first thing she won, which became kind of <laughs> controversial later because I, I set the tone for giving in. <laughs> so, something tells me that she would have figured out how to get people to give in uh, <laughs> even without you. Like there could have been, if you, in case you take that on as the domino, don't be, you know, it's like- <laughs> I haven't, but I've heard it over the years. <laughs> You know how business is. People people get a little salty sometimes on things they hadn't planned for. <laughs> you know, I can tell you. So as I, I was saying, I've been rewatching this like every day. They they early in the morning. I think it's like on CMT. I just record them. So in chronological order, I've been watching these. And I love that right now today, the one that I got up to watch, Danny, was your episode. Oh no, Naked Neighbors. The That's Naked weird. Neighbor episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was like how ironic that this is the one. But the episode. So you were, Danny, because I see your name, you were a writer, I guess, story editor. A like story editor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have to ask you this, Michael. There are so many episodes of that where it's like people go, oh, that's the pot smoking episode. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, that's the, you know, like the Halloween episodes or so. When they had episodes where you had to go through like personal puberty shit. Yeah. How did like for you, because I would have been mortified like it's you're talking funny. about the masturbation episode well, yeah uh, the I erection well, the, bound, right the erection where you like yep. put a book over it on his shirt like that episode was right before the naked neighbors episode right that's right and then there was of course then the masturbating one was also i mean but there's so many like the one-liners i could tell you them like they were so like he's either really really good at it or he's oh, really man. really bad <laughs> <laughs> he's been in there for an hour brilliant <laughs> writing um but how did that like for you personally? Were you like embarrassed or were you? Well, the funny part is I went to public school. So the days and weeks we didn't work, I went back with everybody else and it oh. never failed. Like Homeward Bound, the masturbation episode was oh. supposed to be on a week where I was working. So I would only be there like one or two days. And then the schedule shifted. And of course I'm at school the whole week knowing that <laughs> Tuesday this episode is going to be on the air. And then the rest of the week, we're going to have fun in the halls, right? Like, so oh my God, the one thing I'll tell you is I always loved what I did. Yeah. So whenever there was the pressure or, or the frustration and, and it's funny, a lot of the people, especially elementary school, in my early years, I had gone to preschool with and, and kindergarten. So they were the same people. That's good. So right. For them, they kind of knew me before. So it wasn't an issue as much. Right. Now, when I transferred districts and schools to go to like middle school and high school, yeah. it was ugly. And, and that was, that was much harder, but you know what, you know, you're doing when you know, the stories are good and you right. know that people are reacting and laughing, you're kind of fearless in a sense. And I, I always took that on as it was, it was a joy. I mean, Homeward Bound turned out to be one of the best episodes we've ever done. It was. Oh, so good. <laughs> I put that in, I put that in the top five uh, of, of Roseanne, which is really, it's really saying something. And yeah. And at the time when they did that episode, I mean, how, when you were shooting it, like, cause you know, you were, you were, you were all, the people don't know, you know, you're sometimes played on TV kind of like a, an unaware child, but you yourself right. 
yeah. you, were, you were precocious, you were smart. Like <laughs> you knew what was going on. I watched you at those tables. Like, it's like, oh, and you were, you're, you're a sharp kid. So yeah. well, how does that feel? Like, I don't know. It's just like, for me, it's like, I, you know, I, I, my mom once walked in me, on me jerking off and it was like, and no one knew about it until now, but it was like, uh, um, so I can only imagine like having to live that out on TV, but you, were you able to put the professionalism and the storytelling about it and have a sense of humor even at that time? Oh yeah. I, I, and I think that's what helped is knowing that the jokes were good. Yeah. Knowing that we were doing something real I knew that I was going to have to go back to regular school. Now, I, yeah. what I didn't realize is to this day is sometimes I'm in an airport or in a public space and somebody comes up to me and you're like, you're that guy. And then the next thing you know, they start doing like jacking off hand gestures in the middle of a public place. And they're like, you're that guy. And I'm like, well, I'm not that guy. But I know what you That mean. happens to Danny and I all the time. <laughs> 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 but put your hands down quick. Like there's kids present. Would you, would you like... But I, I would also think like it's funny, like those episodes were so funny. And even if like the kids were gonna, you know, it's coming, like they're gonna taunt you. Yeah. There has to be in the back of their head, this, oh shit, it's not, it's so that's not just me that, yeah. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there had to have been as much as it, somebody would tease you in their brain, they're going, oh, okay. So this is actually not weird that I am getting erections or I'm jerking off constantly. No, that's one of the things like, about the show that helped is that we were talking about so many real issues that a lot of times people would turn to me and be like, man, that was really brave or, or thanks because I thought I was the only one. And you're like, no, I, I, I have to say that that show taught me, like I'd been writing before it a little bit, you know, here and there, it, but Roseanne, it sounds crazy because it was like such a giant writer's room and you were there and it was hard to get ownership. Like even the episode I wrote, everything was gang written and you just get your name on it. But it did teach me about like writing and, and storytelling more than anything I'd ever worked on because it was like, oh yeah, you can really be honest here. You can go a page without a joke if you're yeah. getting to something funny and you can yeah. go and like, I, I referenced that show on Modern Family all the time because when Modern Family first came out, there were a lot of people who were saying, oh, it's more like um, Arrested Development because of the documentary thing of this. And I was like, nope, Roseanne. It's got, it's, it's, it's hard as Roseanne. It's a family that loves each other that happens to be funny. Yeah. Um, and which was always what Roseanne was. Now, Roseanne was a little more working class mm -hmm. because of that character, but th those stories, like I as a fan of Roseanne prior to working on it, it was like, holy <laughs> shit. This happens from my life. Like, it's, whether it's a masturbation, I know Jenny, you, we talked about this all the time. Yeah. Like, masturbating, yeah. Masturbating. No. <laughs> when, like, with Roseanne, though, like, personally, just growing up watching it, because my sister, Amy, is two years older than me. And Amy was very much a Becky, and I was very much like a Darlene. And so, and we were, my whole family, we were just the worst smart asses to each other. Like, we just, it was just open season on anyone at our house at all times. So, like, Roseanne was such a, oh, wow, I could really connect to that, you know, the yeah, bonds between to, the siblings and the parents and the... Yeah, and we got to do everything. I mean, we touched on, you know, everything. addiction and, and you know, alcoholism and domestic violence and, yeah. you know, White Men Can't Kiss. That episode was so pivotal for me growing up where DJ doesn't want to kiss the girl. Yeah. And ultimately to pull that full circle and have DJ end up marrying her yeah. as an yeah. adult, like... And that's, those are the storylines I always want to dive into more. Those are the yeah. things I'm always fighting for us to tackle because those social issues, that's that, growing up on a show like this, yeah. that's my wheelhouse as a 
writer, producer, like that's what I want is I want real topics that things people relate to and deal with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and what the, the brilliance of both like the the Connors and 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 Roseanne, I, I always felt was like a show like that, what it can do is it can personal, they're, they're, we have big issues we're dealing with. And so you're, you turn on the television and people are marching or somebody's like going on strike or this, and it's sort of like ambiguous, but when you, it you, you make it, okay, how does this intersect with this family and these characters we care about in a very personal way? And then suddenly it's like, it's, it's, you're doing a story about, there's an issue, but it's not about an issue. I mean, it, it, the issue is the background and it's just sure. like, it's a complication for a family. How do they get through it? And other people can relate to it because we're all going through it, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. and there was that open dialogue with the family that was so great, like that yeah, a lot of people do not have. Families like, no. we don't talk about that. We don't say these things. We don't, we're the, on Roseanne, I mean, on, and the Connors as well. It's like, there's no topic you can't discuss. Exactly. Everything. You know, 30 years later, that's the beauty of our show and the power is we kind of have this, inside view for fans because they know us they can trust us they can they know where we come from so we can say things that i think you can't do in other places because if it was a new show and you tried to say some of these things people would be like whoa you guys went too far in our case you have the history and yeah. it, it allows us to tackle Good things I think, on a much deeper yeah. level that people will give you you know you have that built-in cachet and credit with people they know where your heart is Right. That's a, that's a really good point because it's how like the best episodes of Roseanne they they, they and and the Connors they it never it's not if we all can descend into preachiness like it happens. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely fallen into it. We fell into it on 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 all shows. Yeah. But the best ones, like what you're saying is like, you're right. It's coming out. It doesn't you, you get a buy because we know these characters. We know you can you can relate it to a history that you've seen these characters. So, of course, that's how DJ is going to react in this particular moment, or Darlene is going to have this take on it. It's not invented, you know? Right. And, and each kid, you know, what I also love, like, as I'm rewatching it, how each kid's personality was so specific. Like, the kids are not, so, you know, like, they're, they're very, very specific things. So when a topic that would be somewhat heavy, each kid's response to it would be so, you know, like, well, dad said I'm not supposed to talk about it, and then run upstairs to go, you know, like, or, right. well, why would that, you know, like, because you can innocently ask or innocently say something where an adult couldn't, like, if it was a heavy topic, like, what do you mean, you know, when Roseanne was thinking there might be something wrong with the baby, and they're talking about abortion, yeah. you know, and that's something that, as she's trying to explain it to DJ, and it's like, okay, well, it's your choice, you know, what, are, like, an innocent, the innocence of a kid's, you know, response was really, like I didn't, I don't think I caught it at the time at rewatching it. I'm like, it's really remarkable because that's the best way to address something instead of just yelling, you know, a bunch of adults screaming shit at each other. It's like, this is your choice. Okay, well, I, I support you, whatever you want. You know, like you don't see that, you know, yeah, as much on, on shows today. I just, I don't know, I think it's- No, it's hard. It's hard now too, though, because we ask people on shows, we start asking for jokes per page and, and we get into the business of it, of like, you know, how many, like you mentioned before, going a whole page without a joke. Yeah. And that wasn't unheard of for us. And, and we still, a lot of times will go space without hitting a joke. You know, you're building to something. Yeah. And sometimes the big joke comes almost at the end of a scene. Yeah. I, and, and when, and when those hit, they're often the most 
cathartic, beautiful yeah. laughs you can have. I gotta, I gotta just also say, cause like one of the things Roseanne did for a lot of, I think, writer here was there was the moment before Roseanne where no one, you always kind of looked down if you had to work with kids. There was a little bit like every kid was like super cute. Not that you're not adorable, but um, uh, but but like they were there. There was the TV kid who'd come in with a wisecrack or precociousness in this, and the kids from a very all of you from this early age. It's going off of what Jenny was saying. We're just so like there was a glimmer of who you got all were and how it developed, and then even like the addition of like when Johnny Galecki came in to that show. And I was watching him interact with the family and darling. It's like, I had never seen kid actors do what you all did. And yeah. it's sort of, it, you, you raise the bar. I mean, you just, you, it, it's, it's funny because now you can't really do kids like your, those ages. Yeah. And, and go, if you go to the cutesy stuff, you're a, you're a TGIF show or you're a Nickelodeon, you know, and yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, the expectation definitely was raised because nothing was off limits. And and like Jenny said, we all had such strong opinions, but also they never gave us a pass. If there was a subject in the house, everybody had to have an opinion, which I that's yeah. real life. I've never yeah. been in a house with people where everybody didn't have some opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think or, that or was, was it so hidden valuable. from you or something right. like it right. was, you know, the, the way that everything and the acting on Roseanne, I mean, yourself and Everybody. John Goodman, Lori, I mean, like just every, everyone is so good on the show. It's just like, even the, you know, uh, Crystal, you know, yeah. like, I mean, just like every person's like just thing, their voice, whatever, is just so good. And it's so, it's so strong. And I, like, I, I love that each character has such a strong role that like people will go, oh, you're acting like a Becky or a Darlene or, okay. you know, like it's that strong instead of, and you're right, Danny, you don't see that so much. Like yeah, you don't, and you really want to, uh, uh, you know, strive for that, I, I think in, in, as creators, but uh, okay. Now I want to get to some questions. Okay. That I wanted to ask you for a while. Okay. Um, when we ran into each other, I guess a couple of years ago, we didn't have enough, I forgot what you talked. It was like so great to, I forgot what it might've been on, it was on one of those shows. Like, but do you remember where did we run into each other? I, it was something quick. It was know. really quick, but we were talking. And I, like, I was like, I want to talk to you. So you're a child on a show, on a yep. sitcom, which is always interesting. But you were a child on Roseanne. And I don't know if you've heard, but it was a famously volatile set. <laughs> um, it was, it was famous. It was like, Epically what? so. And what I was wondering was, were, what was your awareness of that? Everything, everything. I think that's the part that people misconceive about me because I'm a generally positive guy. Yeah. Uh, I will forgive people their trespasses for the most part, as uh -huh. long as they do things the right way. Uh -huh. But I was- By the way, Michael, that's, that's New Testament. So let's keep it- Yeah, back. I was I was super aware of everything. I think that, Danny, that's the thing people don't realize is, I stayed at work late. I spent the night at certain people's houses and, and knew their background and their backstory. I would lay upstairs sometimes in building three when you guys were pitching jokes in the middle of the night where you could uh -huh. hear upstairs through the vents. Like I knew, <laughs> pardon for me for saying, but like I knew who was sleeping with who and, and what relationships were happening and dynamics and fights and power struggles. I knew everything because part of it was I was so small I could go anywhere I wanted and most people didn't wow. pay attention because I was 
everybody's kind of like little brother, you know, for sure in a way. And so, and I don't feel like, and you can tell me if you disagree, but I don't think most people didn't try to protect me from what I heard. I think people were very interested in, I was interested in what they did and they were interested in my perception. I like, well, I, 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 this is partly what I'm saying. I, so, and you don't have to comment and we can edit up, but I do want to say this. You, the, you're right. People didn't protect you from it. No, I but, was never protected. But that, but to me, yeah, that was a problem. I agree. Well, like, right, like when I would go to that stage yeah. and, and frankly, like, you know, Roseanne would be going off or doing something like crazy inappropriate, I think in front of a child, it really <laughs> did bother me. Now she's a genius. There's no doubt that she was a genius. And, you know, at the time, you know, there was volatility between her and John and John has been, you know, thank God for John, but he was like, he was a, at the time and I, he's so much mellower now, but at the time he could be a very imposing presence. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so you'd have those things going back and forth. And I felt like there's, I, I really always had the sense, especially with you was like, there's a child in here, guys. <laughs> well, I was the one who never left. And so I was there the whole run. Oh, and I was super aware. And I spent a ton of time on the stage. Uh-huh. And I wasn't afraid. And I never ran away. So uh-huh. if there was a conflict with even, didn't matter who big, who, who it was, how big, uh-huh. you know, how what their clout was, I learned early on to stand my ground. And uh-huh. one of the things I think for me is, you know, some of my coworkers now, the ones who worked with me back then, who now work on the Connors, a couple of them have said to me, you're the reason I didn't let my kids go into the entertainment industry because of all the things you saw and because of your experiences. And I think similar. Yeah. Unique for me is you get a choice. And I think what I did was I tried really hard to see the good in people and to Uh learn from the things I never wanted to do. So as an adult, as a writer, as a guy who writes and and now directs and and wants to produce and do all these things it made me uniquely aware of how things can kind of blow up or change in a hurry and how to navigate that and how to sometimes calm things ahead of time you know it it made me really good at reading the room and reading people and you know playing through all of the stuff and then also you know people don't realize I was the PR guy I did the majority of interviews, they sent me out on everything, especially after the national anthem thing, because I was smart, I was well-trained and I was cute. So they could yeah. only beat on me so much before they started looking bad. Well, they were and hiding behind the baby. Like, yeah. Like, oh, don't shoot me. yeah, it really was. And it, and I, man, I took a lot, I took a lot of shots along the way for the show. But what I think it did was it really trained me well for what life is, is you're going to get challenged. And and in this business in particular, I don't care how good you are. You're not always going to see where it's coming from and you're not always going to be able to dodge everything. What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As if you don't know. It's it's remarkable though. I mean, you have really, you know, the right when my, like when we started following each other on Twitter and Instagram and everything. And I just, as someone who watched the show the, the entire time, and then I, I see you and it's like every Saturday you're at a baseball game or a softball game, like your kids, you yeah. know, sporting events and everything. And I was like, that, 
my first thought because I live out here now and I'm super jaded was like oh my god he dodged the bullet like he <laughs> look at him he's sitting in the bleachers watching his children play a sport exactly. like, you're sitting not... in the bleachers would have been healthier I was coaching most of the time oh. <laughs> I, I mean that's well, remarkable that's like insane so I, I, yeah I transitioned you know and I you know I was a high school coach for like almost 10 years and mm. you know I've been volunteering and coaching and doing charity work my whole life so you're a better dad than I am enough already no careful because anytime someone says that's usually the kiss of death my kids I'm sure will tell you exactly how bad I am (laughs) they'll take the time to tell you how old are your kids now so my biological kids I have a 21 and an 18 you have a 21 year old kid that's my baby's 18 yeah, he's a 21-year-old kid. You posted a picture, Michael, of you like holding your son when he was born. And, I like, look like 12. <laughs> you literally look like it was like fucking teen mom yes. on MTV. Yes. <laughs> like well, you were like my like, agent dropped me after I after my son was born because they thought that was like the first sign I was about to lose my mind. Oh shit. And and no joke, I had to like find a new agent over the it took me a long time because people were like oh this is where he spins out this is where it all goes bad right oh my god my god this is behind the music here it goes i'm married and i'm happy and i wanted this child and at the time i was raising my brother who was nine years old and i'm like i'm pretty functional here like i just want to work this is um like i'm just freaked out our kids are basically the same age i know and you could be my son if i had gotten busy earlier (laughs) but um that's crazy yeah my twins are 22 and my son is 19 it's bananas (laughs) and i have have an adopted 23 year old so okay you are showing off now michael this is not attractive i don't i don't advocate it for most people you know i i I was lucky i met the right person we were married for 20 years and we raised two beautiful kids that's amazing. Uh, and then she kind of moved on to do her own thing. And I moved back towards this business. And that was something she didn't really want. So we kind of found our own paths. And, you know, it's one of those things you got to know what you want. But family, you know, I love all the roles I get to play. Yeah. But the most important role I'll ever have is being dead. And that's the only one that I'm irreplaceable in. See, I disagree for me. For me, it's like when I get to do like a little walk on on the sitcoms, like I get one line. That's the most important thing. And then writing. And then, I love the way your twins look at you when you post videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It's like I, her, I actually just met my, one of my daughter's boyfriends. She, she, she's dating. And so I was over by the house today. And like he like followed me on some of that stuff. And she might just see my daughter just going like this. <laughs> just. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to deal with that with my dad. Another question. Just, I can't, I'm sorry to go back to Roseanne. No, I feel like I'm, I am I hogging this, Jenny? Okay. I don't no, no, hog, no, go right ahead. I don't want to hog Michael. I just have to. I, so one of the hallmarks of Roseanne from behind the scenes was this, was that there were very few writers on that show who were writers on that show for more than two years. Right. Most were on there like myself for one year. Yeah. And, 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 and what had done and launched it into something else. Yeah. yeah like I noticed that in the credits as I'm rewatching <laughs> and I always look to see like the, and it's like, well, there's a lot of new names. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, new names and it just, it grew. I mean, I think when I was there were 28 writers total, like in different rooms and it was very crazy, but like, what was that like from 
both from your standpoint and from the non Roseanne, because Roseanne didn't care, but about that as much, but from the standpoint of the actors or from, because it was the one thing I will say about Roseanne as a show that I didn't, that was for me, that was like, that set was this, there were the actors and there were the writers and those two worlds were very separate. It was like, you didn't like, it was not a, a joy to go down to the set, just given that, that, that tension. And no, you, you were treated, you were not treated well. You were treated like, uh, I, I kind of equate it to you're treated like a stand-up comic when you're early in your career. And it's like, get on stage, do your five minutes and get out. Like, and, no. and either, either you do it well enough that you come back or you don't. Yeah. And for me, it was different because I knew all of you. Yeah, I, I know. Come to the office and I, I really wanted to know everybody's name and wanted to know who, this will be funny to you, Danny, but I still have all of the cast and crew lists. I have every cast and crew list from 1988. And when I was six, seven, eight years old is I circled people's names of people I thought were really good at their job oh. and that I wanted to work with. I've been thinking like a producer since I was six years old is I knew the people that I was like, oh, he writes good jokes or he has really good ideas. They get adjusted and, and changed, but man, the storylines are good. And Man, I kept track of people's names and I'm still waiting to use some of those lists. I will. I bet you will. That's amazing. Um, are there Danny's any... name on that list? Yes. That you, you left there. <laughs> even if you have to lie, even if you go, you need to go in the other room and circle my name right now. Go fucking do it. Oh, no, you circled. You were circled okay, cool. long before anybody knew Modern Family. Okay, cool. Now, okay, I... uh, let me ask this though. Okay, so. I'm As, like I said, this is very fun for me, especially now because I've been rewatching to have you on and Danny because you wrote and and as I'm noticing these things like each each season, it's very different from season to season. Like you feel like from that, oh, here we go, season three, episode one, then season four, episode like it you feel this layer of like, oh, there's just a new something, new energy. Do you have a favorite season? it's a three part. Do you have a favorite season, favorite episode, or just like something that was the funniest thing that you just couldn't stop laughing at? So I, I don't have a favorite season. Um, okay. I love season one set the tone three. We kind of started to really hit a stride in a different way and tackle more topics. Yes, Five was a big one uh -huh. because we tackled so many huge topics that year. Yeah. And yes. I think that one was extremely special. Six. I think we were, kind of in this transition phase that I still think we really were at the top of our game. Yeah, I agree. And then um, eight and nine were just different experiences as far as a professional and being on set. So they have their own memories for that reason. Uh, and then I have episodes from every year that I love. You know, if I, I'm disgusting because if the show starts, I pretty much can tell you almost every line because that's the way my memory works. Wow. And so I remember, it's like watching home movies. I remember all the stuff that was going on. So like in Danny's case, I remember the week that you had your episode. I remember the first couple of days, they almost didn't let you on set. You had to go write so much. And then you were like bouncing back and forth for the run throughs. That wasn't even, and what the craziest thing was, that wasn't even my episode. Because yeah. It was crazy. It was, I forgot which one it was that year. I'll, I'll remember it later. But yeah, I was like, I, I pitched the story and gotten into this thing and they went a different way. It wasn't working. And then like, so I was going down to the set and then I was just like, okay, I'll just rewrite it. So I kept running back and forth. That was a, <laughs> that was a crazy week. I saw a couple of sun, sunrises. <laughs> Highlights for me would be uh, Lover's Lane. 
which is the the bowling one where they tease Becky about her boyfriend. Oh, oh right. God, that's uh, because I think that was the beginning of really more of Roseanne's voice as opposed to Matt Williams' voice. Yes. yes. And then Boo, the original Halloween, because that set a tone. So the good. second so Welcome Halloween. to the Tunnel of Terror. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, the second <laughs> Halloween. So when I directed this year for Halloween, I tried really hard to go back to the tone of Boo oh, wow. because it was in the house. So I was trying to kind of combine the old and the new in an interesting way. But the second Halloween, I think the one where she dresses up as the guy and she goes to the Lobo. Oh, that's so funny. Because there's all these social issues, right? Yeah. And gender issues that are really subtle that you could miss along the way. And I remember the fights over so many of these things. Um, when the girls got their period, the episode where Roseanne and Jackie get into the fight, I can never remember the name, where they get in the fight where Jackie comes over drunk. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was when she wanted to be a police officer? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna be a cop. Yeah, yeah, and then they they have a Wrestle. fight all over the. Yeah, it was very funny. And, and John comes in. Is this like a sex thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but then for me personally, the most impactful ones were Homeward Bound. Uh -huh. was a big impactful one. The White Men Can't Kiss probably was the most significant episode that we've ever done yeah. for me because of the social ramifications. Going oh, back to weird. public school and having people, some people be angry at me. Having a girl that I was dating have her family not want me to be around because of what we did in this episode. Um, wow. And then another group of people who like totally kind of were like, well, that was a really cool episode that you guys explored this. And so I think that's what it is for me is it's the ones, you know. That was a special dad, episode. Yeah, when Roseanne's dad dies and they talk oh. about grief. That uh, was like one of my favorite episodes. Also, yeah. Jackie calling yeah, Auntie Barbara is. Yeah. You know, Norm McDonald. Yep. So in the writer's room, because there are so many writers, things got rewritten all the time. Norm pitched that out, just stream of consciousness. Yeah. All the way through, not a word was changed into Lori's mouth. And it's one of the. It's one of the best sitcom scenes of any sitcom in history. Yeah, right. I, it's iconic. It's, it's greatest. And ironic for me is having gone to college, our show was in my history book, my psychology book, nuts. my wow. sociology book, right? And like every once in a while, they're like, oh, that's a picture of me. Like, please, <laughs> right? But we were so lucky to get to tackle so many important topics. And I think yeah. that's, that's what's important. And it shaped me both as a performer and as, as a person who shapes projects now. I don't want to play across the surface. I want to dive deep. And, you know, I listen to all of you pitch, you know, oh. you know, I remember when, when certain producers uh, were in charge and people would do terrible things. Like some people would come in and take a bite out of everybody's food in the middle <laughs> of the night or... <laughs> We had a male chauvinist who ran a room one time who used to turn the AC on really high and the women oh. in the room would be really uncomfortable. Like, like, and, and as a kid- I apologized for that. <laughs> I was gonna say something like, oh, oh That was never- We're looking at- but, Yeah, uh, but you, you know all these things and you watch the fights, man. And you watch, um, you were a bit like a sideshow. You know, <laughs> everybody would come for a taping or whatever. And it was a wild ruckus party and we had a band and people were showing their butts and their tattoos. And next thing you know, somebody's getting paid to shave their head. And I mean, you know, you had no idea, like 
you had no idea what the chaos would be, but somehow in the middle of all that, yeah, you knew we were making brilliant television. Yeah, it was great. And even the nights, I mean, it was like, I always think about like, cause he's still a friend and you know, the great writer and performer, Pat Bullard, who oh, would yeah. do warm up. And Pat is just one of the most naturally funny people. He's what he's, he's not even a warm up guy. He's just like a good, but he would go in there and it was the best there was. People would come to just see, you know, and Roseanne to her credit would like, she'd be like listening to Pat, like just like loving it. Like she'd be on the side, you know, in the wings, just listening to it because he was so good at that, so. No, it's, it's such a brilliant show. And, you know, it was also like, it's, it's been fun to watch each character develop their character. Like from the first season, like everybody, like Jackie being Jackie and then all of a sudden being Jackie, you know, like yes, turning yes. into there's, wacky. There's a big shift all of a sudden that happens. Yeah, and it, but it's like, she, they just be falling into these places more. And, you know, like the- Quick question. I tell you what, uh, let me ask one funny thing too. Wait, off of that though, real quick. Who Jackie? What? No, no, you don't know the Who Jackie story, right? No. Oh no, you go. I, he knows what it is, but you go. I'll tell it. You go. No, I, I do. I just was trying to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> You're awful. Yeah, Who Jackie? Who Jackie? Good off. <laughs> but like watching, watching each of the characters like build and become, you know, who they are, and every person that's on there, I've noticed, that, you know, like the way that there was this. I'm trying to think what season it was, but we're. Becky gets Roseanne like she does a bunch of nice stuff because Darlene's been slopping around the couch, not, you know, pulling her weight. And, and she asks, you know, to have Mark invited to Thanksgiving. And then it's like an episode goes by whatever they're at Thanksgiving. Mark's not there. She references that he went to have like TV dinners with friends and then another episode. And then it, it's like the callback to that. Yeah. You know, like I, I clocked that. I was like, that's really smart. You know, that they kept this fight that's about to build up. One thing they didn't do though was Johnny Galecki's David was Kevin yep. for a second. <laughs> Did you yep. know this? Yeah, he was Kevin and the name didn't clear. So there was another Kevin Healy somewhere in some other show. <laughs> so they came in and then they named him and they named him David, right? Sure. And then they kind of had this panic thing afterwards because DJ is David Jacob. Oh. Oh and God. then they're and then they're like, uh, but now everybody knows him, and we can't change it twice. It's bad right. enough. We're only going to get away with it once to begin with. Right. Thought, but, the whole time, I thought DJ was Dan Jr. See, it, it kept going back and forth. But David in an Jacob episode, we finally named. Oh wow! Yes, David Jacob. Oh, I wow. remember. But the the episode was, was like it. it was like during the credits or something. Like they're like, where's you know, and and Johnny Galecki's on the couch, and also a different character himself like where he was like I don't know he's like he was real like cocky and smart yeah. mouth, you know not the character he became to you know to be in there like this is Kevin whatever and then it's like a few episodes about oh this is David <laughs> like yeah no. I supposed it, to not catch that <laughs> it was fun the way people evolve their characters I think that was the biggest change coming back is everybody else's character was totally set my mm -hmm. character because we, when we left, I was still young. I was still a teenager. So trying to build and take pieces from the old, having watched enough of the old show and knowing where we came from, but then trying to like, he's a military veteran and he's got all these other elements that now there has to be a strength there, but he still has to have kind of that innocence and some of that silliness, you know, trying to walk that line yeah. was a unique experience. It to me made so much sense. You would, I have to be like, 
on Modern Family at the end, when we're trying to think of like endings for our characters, I was, I've always been suggesting that Luke, that kid who was sort of had a little bit heads in the cloud, you know, there is a little nod to DJ on some of that stuff, frankly, but I always wanted him to become, to go into the military or to become a cop or to do something like truly like blue collar because he was never going to succeed at that other stuff. And there was, there was a lot of, I never, I didn't win my, I didn't win that fight and it all turned out fine. But I, but it, 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 to me, that really made sense for you. And they said that, I remember talking to um, Gail Mancuso, your, the director, and, and, and she was doing A Modern Family also while doing the Roseanne prior to it blowing up, that Roseanne. But she was telling me about that. And I was like, yes, that makes so much sense. She was telling me about all that stuff, so. Yeah, Gail's a, a dear friend. She's one of my mentors for directing. She's oh, the, nice. Gail is one of my favorite people in the world. I, I, here's a question. Are there any, any people from when I was there are, are in the writing staff right now? Is there, is like... Well, Norm was there up until this year. So Norm had been there. Sid Youngers was around. I think Sid was there. I think you guys overlapped briefly. No, Sid and I worked all the time together. Yeah, and trying to think. Uh, Bruce Helford is there. I don't... I think you guys worked I together on something else. He was, I came in for Rob Eulin. So Bruce. Right. So you probably missed, we have uh, Bruce Rasmussen and Dave Kaplan. I, 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 you probably have worked with them somewhere along the way, but maybe not on uh, our show. I'm trying to think of who else are, are the, the kind of OG. I was thinking about Sid Youngers. That's really who I was really thinking about. Sid, yeah. Sid's a writer who's just like, he's, he was actually a writer Roseanne found. I think he was bartending yep. at, a, um, at one of the comedy clubs. <laughs> But he also had like this brilliant mind. He was bro he's brilliant. And, and that's one thing. I, she did, never got enough credit along the way for her con contributions as a writer. She really did shape episodes and, and reshape. What, what she was brilliant at to me was taking all of the great writers we had and taking their work and kind of synthesizing it down. And she wrote them super hard. I, I recall. I still have that. <laughs> yeah. You guys probably all still have PTSD from that. Yeah. But she was good at getting the show out of everyone. I think that show, what was interesting was, because as much as we, I, I'm, I'm on your side on this to a, a different extent, but right. it was the tension between some, it was a tension between the eggheads and her. <laughs> yep. And, and so we would do something, we would think it was brilliant. We were right. But she would either not, she would throw it out, pitch something wildly crazy that we definitely couldn't do. And somewhere we would meet in the middle and it made the show better. And if one side got too much power, the show faltered. And I think that happened, I think at the very end of that run, she got too much power and the show went in a different direction. I'm not trashing, I know a lot of people involved in it, but she had, it was the, the thing that we all hated to live through was the very thing that was the, creative engine of that. I'm, I don't want necessarily- well, There was a effective chaos in it, right? Like there was this dynamic and it was explosive, which was the hard part, right? I, I think we could have achieved that in a better way. I would like to see us achieve it in a little more, you know, well-negotiated and more respectful manner. If well, we were doing it now. It, it, it must be <laughs> that way now, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be done. I, listen. I watched all of you so closely. I feel very comfortable that we can run a show that way. But I do think that there's an element of people should fight for what they want. And I think that that element and then the element that she would go find writers from anywhere that people yeah. got opportunities like, you know, towards the end of the show, we had a, a grip who, I mean, had to write 
probably 20 spec scripts, but he finally got his shot. It's amazing. That never happens. You know, someone like Gail Mancuso to get promoted as, as a female director at that time period, that was hard to do. I know. And, and she was provided this opportunity and Gail was more than qualified and ran with it. And that's the thing is people got their chance there. Absolutely. She brought in comics she knew from like, I remember my first year coming in, there was also like um, Matt Barry and Ed Yeager. Yep. And those guys were just like comics from Texas. And, and, and they all both have like storied careers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that part I think is good is I'm a big believer, especially when I'm leading stuff or in a, in a position of authority is take whatever good idea from wherever it comes. Because a good line can come from anywhere. If the cameraman has a great line and it's better than than what we have in this spot, I'm I'm all for it. And but you have to foster an environment where people aren't terrified to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you shooting now? That's a question. Yeah, we're in production. We're on our Thanksgiving break. Wow. How okay. is, how is it? Because you're not a lot of places are shooting. Um, yeah. How was that? How was the safety and everything on well, set? Well, we were one of the first shows back. Um, we were probably the first major comedy that came back in production and masks and gloves and PPE everywhere and one-way walkways. And now we're, we're wearing tracking monitors where if you're within six feet of each other, it pings on your wrist so that you know to back up. And so the wow. only time we're really inside that space is if it's in a scene and it makes sense. And then you know, as a director this year doing the Halloween episode, I had to plan out my shots and my angles to try and keep my cameras far enough apart, wow. which, you know, it, it adds an extra layer. But the truth is, I don't think at home it has changed or disrupted the family. And we're all in a bubble, essentially. We are each other's bubble. So yeah. we probably see each other more than we see a lot of extended family or any of our friends. Yeah. Wow, I, I think a lot of women I've dated would like that beeper thing. Yeah. So they know when you're coming? <laughs> well, it's like, it's similar to your ankle monitor that's on your, <laughs> you have your court-ordered ankle monitor. <laughs> well, um, well, congratulations on all of that. It's so cool to see your name, not as, um, not just um, in the actor's thing, but as, you know, producer, director, writer. It's like very cool, Michael. Yeah. Well, I tried to learn from all the people along the way. So, you know, well, you I had enough of us because in. they fired 30 of us every year. So you, got to learn you got to learn from every writer in Hollywood. I, I got to learn from a lot of different voices. That's true. You have more mentors than anyone else that exists. That actually is possible. Well, we're at that point of the show where we like to ask people what they're watching. What are the things that are making you laugh or interesting you and you know, is there something that you are obsessed with or not have at it? So I don't yes. watch a ton of stuff right now because I'm writing so much and I'm rewriting because I have a bunch of pitches coming up. So I'm trying not to have too many other people's voices in my head, uh, if that makes any sense. But I've yes. been going back and rewatching like, I like Mindhunter. I oh. It's such a dark thing. And then I watch a lot of documentary related stuff. Which ones? Unnatural Selection, What the Health. My octopus teacher. So good. Yeah. So like, and Amazing. I'm an underwater guy. I used to be a rescue diver in, in my out of this business. What <laughs> I've had the craziest number of jobs. You, you would have started on that path. That's a podcast in its own. Your dating profile must be like 
people must be so fucking hot for that. No, people, people look at me and go, I don't know if that's possible. And that's a lot of strange combinations. You know, I've, <laughs> I, I've had every terrible job. I was, a my first job after the show, I was a piano mover. And then I've been, you know, I've been a construction guy. I've worked every department in our end business. I've been electrical grip. I've been a camera operator. I've been a director. I've been a producer. But I also like, you know, I was a rescue diver for a number of years. And I was I was a fugitive recovery specialist. So I used to kick people's doors in and take them to jail. You bring it up and you've done all these jobs. It just might be not appropriate. But would you fix my toilet? I could. <laughs> I could replace it. You better be really nice to me. I always was. Danny, you know that plunger thing that's right there? That's all you need. Just grab that. We've talked about worse than take Toilets are terrible. <laughs> Taking them apart and putting them back together. There's, those are jobs I hope to never have again. I'll, I'll do them for people I care about, but I hope to never have to do that for work again. Jenny, what are you watching? Well, like, obviously I've been watching uh, Roseanne, but The Undoing, I know we talked about it last week. Still haven't gotten in. On HBO, yeah, it's really good. And then also uh, started this docu-series on HBO called Murder at Middle Beach. That looks that looks so up your alley. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's, it's a four episode series every Sunday. They just have had two, but it's really good. Highly recommend it. I will recommend comedy wise. Um, I just got in. I've only seen like the first three. It's sometimes, dra- it, I, it's interesting. The comedy store documentary. Oh yes. Yes. Very good. It, it, yes. Oh, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a, I've always found that place to be a little cultish. But it's like, uh, yeah. but, uh, but, but it's, it's also like, especially like in the seventies and early eighties. And it's, it's interesting. The, the people who came out of it hearing, like seeing some of these comics who were like, I, when I was first starting, who were like, you know, it's, 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 it's if you like comedy, it's a fascinating documentary. Yeah, absolutely. And how many episodes were there? I'm trying to, I don't know. I, don't if I've know. Seen. I, I think there might be five or six. I'm like, yeah, I'm I haven't, I'm all, I don't think I've seen all of them yet, but I've seen most of them, but I really, right. I definitely like that. I was the young guy going to comedy clubs as a <laughs> where I didn't belong. I bet. Yeah. Guy, you got I go, I go in there, I still don't belong, but they let me on stage anyway. So that's guy, let's include Guy <laughs> so mean to him up front. Guy. What, what, what are you watching, Guy? I'm way behind. I'm this kind of guy that watches stuff after everybody already knows about it, but I started watching Fargo. Oh. Mm. I've amazing. I, 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 how far are you in, in Fargo? Season one, like Four or five episodes in. I'm, I'm like a couple episodes into season two right now and loving it. Um, well, season four is the one with Chris Rock, right? Yes. I know, I keep hearing, I, can, I haven't watched it yet either, but everyone's like, just start watching season four. Oh man. Well, I'm like, I feel like I should start from the beginning. Michael, I cannot tell you how happy I am that you're not robbing liquor stores. <laughs> and and, and um, no- it's not it, celebrity rehab, nothing. You were just, you were just always like, <laughs> From the minute I met you, were just one of those kids. It was like great, and you're like a you're more of a man now than I am. So um, it's uh, it's really it's a pleasure to see you. I have it's to say. a pleasure. It was a pleasure yeah. to get to share this with you. It's funny after all these years, right? Oh and Jenny, God. I'm a huge fan. So uh, like, I'm well, a huge fan of yours. I'm a fan of Jenny's too. I'm a fan of both of y'all. This was just very exciting. Like I said, I mean, I've 
just having watched the show and then I've been rewatching it and everything, I'm like, this is just so, I'm so excited to have you on at this time too, like, as I'm in the middle. And I love Danny that your episode came on today. That makes me so happy because it's just like one half of an episode that I wrote with somebody. And I didn't even write a lot in that episode. So <laughs> it was the very great. beginning of it when like Dan was looking out the window and Roseanne oh. comes in and he's like, what? She's like, you don't think that I want to see the neighbors naked? <laughs> like, <laughs> why would you do that? I was like, that really feels very, like something, Danny, that you probably- What color are my eyes? Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. Good luck with the, re uh, plug, plug away. Connors, yeah. ABC. ABC, Connors on Wednesday night. And then uh, I'm doing a podcast with people behind the scenes called Fish's Call Sheet. And then I have a bunch of projects, films, television, a couple documentaries that I just signed to kind of help make happen. So I was, unaware of, amazing. I was unaware of the podcast. We're going to link the podcast at the end of this and yes. um, it was a pleasure man yes thank you thank so you much for having me yes and when all this is over let's uh let's have a, a drink soon absolutely yes. i'd love to okay all right bye guys 